Sometimes the truest of stories are the craziest of stories. Welcome, Welcome to, to Nightmare Town. Hello neighbors and welcome back to Nightmare Town. We are Betty Boom. And I'm Mandemonium. And do we have any business? Mm, not really that I can think of. Oh, um, how did the Liberty Square Festival go for you? Oh, the festival went really well. It was a very rocky morning just because of the weather. Tore my tent to pieces, but Betty Boom came to my rescue, and my family and Mr. Monium all came to my rescue and helped me out, and it ended up being a great day. Um, hello, any new listeners, if you have become a neighbor since picking up a sticker or a business card from Sparta. The, yeah, from the Liberty Square Buster Flat celebration. Hi! Hello! Hi! That was actually really fun because Manda actually, uh, her booth was right outside of my job and so I just randomly got to go outside and be like, hi friend! And I, wo- I wore the wrong shoes because I was wearing cute pants and I did the foolish thing of wearing the shoes that went with the pants and then my feet started hurting and I went over to Amanda and I was like, do you have any spare tennis shoes? And she was like, no, but you can have these. And then gave me the shoes from her feet. Because that is friendship and I almost cried. Well, at the same time, I was also crying that morning because while my things were destroyed and my chairs were soaked from the rain, you were just like, oh, I have chairs and gloves and an umbrella in my car. Let me go get them. So, well, I mean, that was super awesome. (laughs) That saved us. That is what friends and neighbors do. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And neighbors that become friends do. (laughs) And neighbors that become co-hosts do. (laughs) But enough of the uh, mushy friendship power hour here. No, Uh, the whole thing is mushy friendship power hour. (laughs) Which is pretty great. I mean, that's us every, every episode, honestly. It's true. Um, I mean, I have some Nightmare Town business. Do you? I do. Let's hear it. So two things. First, uh, we will not be drawing from the hat at this episode (gasps) because our next episode is not only going to be our 30th episode, it is also going to be our Halloween special, which I'm not going to be telling you guys anything else about, but I'm super excited about it. And there's been a lot of planning and a lot of networking and a lot of stress that went into this. So, and we hope you guys will be just as psyched about it and just as excited. Very much the truest story. And I think I said two. Oh, our second one is we've reached a thousand listens on the seven episodes that we have on Anchor. Which is a victory for us. It's very exciting. Seven episodes, a thousand listens. Which is all thanks to you, our neighbors, our listeners. We are super stoked about it, if you can't tell. (laughs) From our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. (laughs) And I also may have put out a post on YouTube as well. What? About it today, too. So we're a little excited here in Nightmare Town. A little, a lot. It is the but spooky for good reason. Season. It's spooky season. We're our, we're getting our energy up uh, from being in the season of the spookiness. True story. Speaking of true stories, this week's episode is called True Story. <sighs> Double. But anyway, so yeah, this week I will be starting. Um. So I had some of my information on my phone, but then my microphone started messing up, so we're using my phone to record. So I'll be doing half of this from my memory. Which I could just look it up on my computer, but my computer is over here, and it is loud and old. His name is Dino for good reasons. (laughs) Because he is a dinosaur. So again, we are doing true stories. Not two truths and a lie, which is not in the hat yet but it will be. So everything you hear today is a true story, which is crazy sauce. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm dealing with some sinus stuff, so I'll be taking periodic breaks to <laughs> drink some tea so I don't have a lot of vocal, just bleh. 
Okay, so the places that I got my information from was from Wikipedia and the Dollop podcast, which if you do not know what that is, it is an American history comedy podcast that has had me in tears from laughing so hard before. The guys over there are amazing. They just celebrated their 400th episode. Oh, wow. It was fantastic. It was over Ronald Reagan, and they had Patton Oswalt on it. I so, love him. <laughs> goals. Uh, I've, I've heard him on a lot of podcasts recently. Like, he's been on them, and he was on My Favorite Murder at one point. And I, I just, I love him. Well, hey, Patton Oswalt. Yeah. If you ever want to jump on down here. Yeah, come on. We'll take you on. <laughs> We're smack in the middle of Nashville and Knoxville, so if you ever need a layover, <laughs> I'll bake you cookies. Just saying. Um, um, like I said, I got my information from Wikipedia and the Dollop podcast, um, and some of this is just going to be from my memory, so it's probably not going to be as factual as I like it to be, especially since we're doing a true story, and I like my facts. Kind of my thing. But you are the fact person around here. <laughs> just really like research when I'm into it. Other times I have research I have to do for school and I'm like, I'm gay. I don't want to. Ugh. Our story ends May 17, 1995 in San Diego, California, as a gunshot rang out on live television ending Sean Timothy Nelson's life and the greatest meth-driven tank chase in U.S. history. I've definitely not heard this one, so I'm really interested. <laughs> oh, yes. This, this sounds like it's gonna be a ride. Oh. Buckle up, friends. Oh, it was. Sean Nelson was born on August 21st, 1959 in Bird's Eye, Utah, and had a normal childhood. Nelson and his family moved to California and after graduating, Nelson enlisted in the U.S. Army, where he served with a tank battalion while stationed in Germany before being honorably discharged in 1980. He returned home, got married, opened a plumbing business, did a little meth, bought a house, normal things. Near the end of the 80s is when Nelson's life started to go down the drain. Plumbing business? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like a good pun. I know. <laughs> it's why I put it in there. <laughs> His mother died in 1988, his wife filed for divorce in 1990, he was in a motorcycle accident that same year, he was hospitalized because of the accident and had injuries to his neck and back, he got into a fight with one of the hospital staff when he tried to leave, he lost a 1.6 million lawsuit when he tried to sue the hospital for neglect, assault, battery, and false imprisonment and then was countersued by the hospital for $6,640 in medical fees and legal expenses. His dad died in 1992. So the late 80s, early 90s was a hard time for this guy. And all the while, he was dabbling with meth. Huh. And alcohol. Um, so fun fact, Around this time was whenever the Cold War was happening, and so while he was in the military, at the time, it was kind of known that the higher-ups in the military were giving the lower-downs meth to keep them awake when doing drills and all this other stuff. Oh, wait. Okay, this is gonna be weird. Never heard this before in my life, except for just literally last night. Mr. Monium, randomly, I can't remember what the context even was, but he mentioned that. Hey, did you know that they used to give their soldiers meth to keep them going? Mm -hmm. Never heard of that before, other than last night and now. I guess you two are like telepathically communicating, which is super cool. <laughs> are we telepathically communicating or are we communicating be. in other ways, like social medias? Maybe. I we're, don't know. we're not. Mysteronium doesn't get on the internet much. It's like I just like using logic. We're not. We're definitely like on the same brain brainwave. See, I like that you're the logic one and I'm over here just instantly like I don't know, it's something crazy, man though. It's like like we could have just texted each other. It's ghost. And you're like, no, it's just a text. I'm like, but it could be ghost. But it wasn't or text. something or aliens. See, I used to be the aliens one. What has happened to me? 
College has changed oh, me. Oh no, it's turning you into one of those intellectuals. Oh no. One of those logical t Which college clearly didn't have that effect on me, I guess. <laughs> oh, apologies. I'm getting over a sinus infection. But, yeah, the military was giving itself drugs to keep itself awake. And not just any drug. Specifically meth. Of all the drugs you could give somebody to keep them awake, meth is the one that, I guess, was quick and easy to manufacture. I, I'm not even really sure. Throw but it together in a... It's, it's one of those, like, all kitchen. the really big um, military bases, like the one in San Diego, and they became, like, giant meth hubs because the people that were getting out of the army and were, you know, staying there were hooked on meth. Instead so, of being hooked on phonics, they're hooked on meth. Dude, I tried That's that sad. when I was little, and hooked on phonics didn't do shit for me. <laughs> Not meth. I was about to say, wait, which one did you try, and it did nothing for you? <laughs> hooked on phonics. I might be from one of the meth capita of the world, but... Oh, Bella. She's Poor outside Bella. with Dad. She's used to being in here with us when we record, but... She's with the boy. This is the first episode, so she's not been in here with us. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Well... She's outside the door. She's right outside the door. She's really close by, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, he was already... He, he dabbled in meth, but around this time when, you know, all of this bad stuff was happening, he started dabbling a lot more, especially since his wife left him in their house by himself mm. um, so he would have friends come over to wrestle in the backyard oh okay it's a grown man wrestling his grown man friends did they at least have cool wrestling names they made up or something I have no idea but they were all hooked on meth so <laughs> guess you gotta get your meth energy out some way I mean I get it but at one point, um, Nelson's friend accidentally rebroke his back. But like, okay, so they would be wrestling. If you guys cannot tell, but I am no longer being able to use my notes. But <laughs> you're doing fine. It's great. So he would have his friends come over, and they would do math, and then they would decide to go wrestle, and then they would just wrestle until they were tired, and then they would fall asleep, still wrestling. <laughs> So it's just two, uh -oh. two men in the backyard, cuddling, and then waking up and going back into a meth wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> and this man lived in a neighborhood. <laughs> he had neighbors. Hmm. One of his neighbors had, um, oh, what was her name? It was like Claire or something. You know, give me a second. Okay, so I couldn't find her name, but I found something way better. I found the actual news article that came out directly after this happened because this happened on May 17th and this article is from May 19th of 1995. But I will read that at the end of my retelling of this. I'm just going to call her Claire. Probably not actually her name, but it's what I'm going to call her. So his neighbor was one, supplying him with meth and two, had inherited her house from her mother who had been a hoarder. And her house was the house that people would get out of jail and then go to her house to get drugs and oh. guns. So it was like, instead of it being a halfway house, it was like a quarterway house. <laughs> <laughs> a step-down house, really. It's a step-down house. That's what it was. But um, at one point, he had one of his friends over to wrestle, and the guy accidentally broke his back, like broke Nelson's back, and dude just got out of there. And so Claire had to call the ambulance to come over. And they took him to the hospital. And yeah. That's whenever he tried to, to hurt one of the... Um, like he re-hurt his back and then he tried to hurt one of the hospital staff. And was just going on like a meth rampage. And saying that they had assaulted him. That they were trying to keep him there against his will. Even though he had broken his fucking back. <laughs> All because the military thought meth was a good idea to give people to keep them going. This story gets crazier. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Oh yeah, it gets crazier than meth wrestling. So Nelson gets home, and one night he's in his backyard and he finds some gold. Of course he does. Yeah. Why um, not? And so instead of just being like, "Oh hey, that's weird." He comes to the conclusion that his property is full of gold, and he makes a mine. Oh. And I don't mean like he dug a hole. He did dig a hole. A 17-foot-wide hole. Made an actual mine. He did. Apparently it was reinforced in everything. Like, he put up things to keep it from collapsing on himself. I guess he had the energy to build it. I mean, he was on meth. (laughs) (laughs) It's like whenever- Drugs are not funny, kids. (laughs) But this is insane. Mini, do not do drugs. Especially meth. <laughs> but, like, I don't handle caffeine well. Like, I don't drink energy drinks for a reason. Yeah. But if <laughs> I want to, like, hyper clean stuff, I'll chug an energy drink and then I will go to town on whatever it is. Like, I used to have a house manager that would do that whenever the state was coming in to audit the houses I worked at. She would come in hand me a list and an energy drink and she'd be like don't worry I already have it set up where you're not working tomorrow because I would stay up for over 24 hours and I would just crash yeah there was a time in uh, high school I would crash at brother's house and uh bromonium yeah bromonium and there was a time that it was like maybe one in the morning and I had chugged like two Dr. Peppers which I cannot do anymore because that would kill my stomach but I was so energetic because I was not one that drank sodas very often that I just hyper cleaned his entire house and he woke up the next morning and he was just like well I guess I'll just start stocking the house with Dr. Pepper if it means you're just gonna hyper clean every time you come and visit and I was like one time thing (laughs) <laughs> but your house is super clean and I even folded the laundry. Like he came like he, he came in in the morning and I was like I wanna say I was like rearranging his cabinets or something, like organizing his like cans and oh, stuff. That would like make his me pantry. So mad. I don't know. They were not organized at the time. So that would make I me was so mad. Making them organized, but Ugh. the house was sparkling clean. It's That's beautiful. amazing. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he decided to make a mine, and he actually started digging a mine, and he turned his jacuzzi into a sleuth. Hmm. Do you know what a sleuth is? No. It It's like um, the old-timey miners that you would see that have like the, the different... Um, they, they had like those... It looked like... Uh, da, 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 da. Window screens? But like smaller. Oh. And then you'd see him doing like yeah, shaking okay, it. Yeah, okay, I know what those are. So the reason why they do that is because gold is heavier than dirt. Yeah. And so they would have different ones. And so they would shift it and then the gold would wind up on the bottom. Yeah. And then they would just take it apart. And then it would, so it'd be like sediment, dirt, gold. Panning for gold. Panning for So he basically turned his jacuzzi into a giant one of these. Okay. <laughs> um, and... So, yeah, he, he turned into a, a giant sleuth, and then he came up with this super great idea where he would have other meth heads come in to dig for gold in his mine. But to be able to dig for gold, they had to bring meth. Oh, okay. Trade-off. Yep. I see. So <laughs> they would bring meth, they would do the meth together. How do you do meth? Do you smoke it? I think there's a lot of ways you can do it. I don't know. I'm a good kid, so... <laughs> I don't... They would do the meth. <laughs> and then the they would go... meth. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would go and dig in the mine for gold. And he had, like, a lot of meth heads coming in and doing this. Because they would stay for three weeks to a couple of months. And then they would decide that there was no gold and they would leave. Hmm. So then he was getting upset that people were leaving and that they weren't finding gold. So he came up with a solution to this as well. Instead of just letting those meth heads leave and bringing in new meth heads that would bring meth and dig, he got a hold of some um, teenagers 
Oh no. And uh, started buying fake gold from them on credit. And then he would melt down the fake gold and put in the mine. So oh. the meth heads would find it and be like, oh my gosh, there's actually gold here. Wow. That's a lot of thought put into this. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of thought. He also went uh, to his local government and tried to stake a claim on his property. Hmm. But the thing is, he owned his property. And they're like, yeah, we, we don't do that. He tried staking a mineral claim. So that way they couldn't come in and take his gold. Yeah. Because he was on meth and he was paranoid. About his fake gold. No, no. He, Potentially he, real he gold. He could swear that there was real gold and oil on his property. Oh, oil too. Because okay. they go together. They're brothers. I see. Yeah. And they wouldn't take his claim. And then he said that there were helicopters following him around. Because the government wanted to come in and take his land to get his gold because they wouldn't take his claim. But that's not how any of that works. <laughs> huh. But after all of that craziness happened, uh, we are getting closer to like 1994. This has been going on for a while. He has a very big mine in his backyard now. He has meth heads that are staying with him. He's still plumbing on the side. Like he's actually going out and earning a living Besides just being a meth head. So, at any point, did, like, any local authorities just, like, try to come, you know, be like, you can't just be digging mines in your yard. Like, now, which I get it was the 90s, it was a different time. But now, like, you have to call before you even, like, dig something in your yard just to, like... Well, that's us, because we have natural make gas. a garden or something, yeah, true. I mean, we have a lot of natural gas here, so that's why we have to call and be like, hey, I'm gonna dig! But it was on his property. Like, I don't think there's any ordinance saying you can't dig a giant asshole. Because, you know, it's in California, so they, they uh, do a lot of digging to, to yeah. build pools. Yeah. But, yeah. Huh. So he just had this big-ass mine in his backyard. And he had meth heads staying with him to dig in the mines. And then he also started teaching the meth heads how to be plumbers. So, you know, you, you smoke a little, you do meth. At least they're learning a trade, yeah. I guess. It's like you do meth, you dig a hole, you learn a trade. Solid business. Until somebody stole all of his tools. This just sounds like an adult version of the story of holes. <laughs> You're the second person to tell me that. <laughs> That's what I'm getting from this. <laughs> no, because in holes, it's a bunch of different holes. This is just one hole. Yeah, true. That they're hi-hoing into. <laughs> I would whistle along with you, but I can't whistle. <laughs> Fun fact, Mandemonium can't whistle. Anyway, back to your so, wild adventure. Oh yeah. We haven't even got to the tank yet. Oh, okay, yes, of course. <laughs> like, remember how the story ends? Yep, yep. In I'm, a tank. Yeah, I'm waiting for that to just like... I know, there's so much build-up to this craziness. I love it. So... Someone steals all of his tools. He can no longer work as a plumber. His back is continuously hurting him because he's digging in a fucking hole and he's broken it twice. Uh, he's doing more meth to counteract the pain of his back. And around the time that he started building the mine, he also stopped paying his mortgage. That's not good. It's not good. So the bank foreclosed on his property. Mm. But instead of being like, hey, this is my fault, I didn't pay for my stuff, he took it as the government was coming to take his property because they wouldn't take his mineral rights and they were going to take his gold slash oil. Hmm. Yeah. So in retaliation, he does what? So in retaliation, he goes down into the mine, and he swears that he sees God and a dragon. Oh. And they talk to him. And they told him all kinds of things. And then the next day, he goes to the National Guard and just drives up on there. Hmm. Because... 
everyone went home at 5 p.m. Like a normal job. It's, there was nobody there. He drives to the National Guard, um, shirtless, in sweatpants and tennis shoes. Goes right on up. Goes to the tanks. The first two are locked. He can't get into them. The third one is unlocked. He can't get it started. The fourth one is unlocked, and he gets it started, and he drives off the base with it. This it, happened in a King of the Hill episode, and now I'm wondering if that episode was based off of this. So then for the next 22 minutes, this guy's just driving around San Diego in a tank. Because the local police have no way of stopping him. Well, yeah, because he's in a tank. He's in a tank. They were severely underprepared for this. Um, luckily, none of the ammunition was stored with the tank. That's good. Because this man was driving over cars. He went through an RV at one point. Uh, he went over all kinds of fire hydrants. Luckily, he didn't hurt anyone or That's kill good. anybody. So at one point, he's driving down the highway. And there's, there's this one picture that I will be putting on Instagram. And it's all of these cop cars behind this tank. Because basically, they had no way of stopping him. So what they were doing is, as soon as he would turn onto a road, they were trying to clear the road as fast as they could so that way there weren't people on it. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's, there's one picture of like the tank and then all of these cop cars behind it just like... Following him until he, I guess, stops. I don't know. So he doesn't stop on his own. Um, he's driving, and you know how they have those big cement, uh, dividers between highways? Mm-hmm. He decides that he doesn't want to be on this highway anymore. He wants to be on the highway over there. And if he would have went straight, he probably would have made it, but he hit it at an angle. And whenever he hit it at an angle, it, he got stuck. Uh. So then the cops pull up, and... Like, you can see in the videos and the pictures and stuff, because this was all being aired online, or not online, because online was, it was 95. But on the news. This, yeah, this was breaking news, because somebody stole a fucking tank. <laughs> and was running amok. Amok. Amok, amok, amok. amok. <laughs> I haven't watched Hocus Pocus yet this season, and oh. I'm kind of sad about it. But there's a guy with a flowered Hawaiian shirt on. And it was somebody from the National Guard base because the cops pulled up and he happened to be there changing the oil in his personal car. And he was like, I work on the tanks. I can help you. Oh. So it's this guy That's and the convenient. cops that jump up on the tank. And the guy the, the guy in the Hawaiian shirt, he's like, hey, I can get a whole, I, if you give me a minute, I can get into the emergency hatch and I can get him out of here without you having to shoot him. Nelson's yelling at the cops. The cops are yelling at Nelson. There's a whole lot of stuff going. The guy gets the hatch open. The cops are pointing their guns at Nelson. They're like, get out, get out now. Do not put your hands back on the, the stick. The, I guess they're like sticks. However you control a tank. Yeah, steering wheel. The tank controls. Tank controls. You know. Somebody tell me. I don't, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is, is, do you ever watch Red vs. Blue? Yes. <laughs> Why are there six pedals in only four directions? <laughs> yes. But he looks at the cop and he reaches back down to, to try to move the tank again and they shoot him. Mm. And when they shot him, they shot him through the collarbone and it nicked his, either his lung or his heart. I can't remember. Oof. And he died. And that was the end of the greatest tank chase of U.S. history. That's crazy. I agree. <laughs> huh. So now, I'm going to read you an actual article from the Los Angeles Times that was written on May 19th, 1995. After I take another drink of tea, because my voice is a little fried. <laughs> Yay, sinuses. It's the best. This is by Sebastian Rattel and Chris Crawl. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, sir. But it says, San Diego. Sean Timothy Nelson, the former Army tank crewman slain by police after going on a destructive urban rampage in a stolen M60 tank, 
had talked about suicide and was tormented by family, financial, and drug woes, police and friends said Thursday. Nelson's wild ride Wednesday evening left streets and freeways looking like battlegrounds. It accumulated on a freeway near a hospital with which he had been embroiled in a legal fight. Detectives are investigating the possibility that Nelson was, was bound for the hospital on some kind of revenge mission, according to the San Diego police spokesman, Bill Robinson. But they have not yet determined a motive or a target. He never made a specific threat, said San Diego police captain Tom Hall. He described Nelson as a divorced, self-employed plumber who had just broken up with his girlfriend, had not been working lately, and had been acting rather strangely. Nelson's brother Scott told reporters Thursday, The man who died yesterday was only a shell of the person we loved. The real Sean died two years ago at the hands of drugs and alcohol. We are very sorry for all the damage done and very thankful that no one was hurt. In recent years, Nelson's parents died of cancer, he lost his job, and he broke his neck in an accident. He was about to be evicted from his home, his brother said. Although tests are not complete, Scott Nelson told reporters a coroner's investigation said the dead man smelled of alcohol. Scott Nelson did not criticize the shooting of his brother by an officer atop the tank, a frenzied scene captured by news cameras. I don't want to say anything about the police, Nelson said. They were doing their job. The theft of the tank from a California National Guard armory prompted the city's mayor to fire off an angry letter Thursday asking government Pete Wilson to order an investigation into security at the facility. I am extremely concerned about the ease with which an individual was able to enter the National Guard armory, said Mayor Susan Golding in the letter. The National Guard Armory houses arsenals for military hardware and equipment that, when fallen into the wrong hands, can be deadly. The security measures that were in place at the time are clearly unacceptable. And a National Guard spokesman acknowledged Thursday that vehicles entering the grounds are not checked and credentials are not required, despite a security alert imposed after last month's bomb attack on the federal building in Oklahoma City. We will heighten our security efforts, said Colonel Robert Lang. As a precautionary measure, the Guard has removed batteries from 28 tanks used for monthly training exercises in Southern California, Logan said. About 6.30 p.m. Wednesday, the 35-year-old Nelson, who once served in an Army tank battalion in Germany, drove his Chevrolet van with the personalized license plate can fix into the armory north of downtown. He was shirtless and looked disheveled, according to a neighbor who saw him leave home hurriedly at 6 about 6 p.m. But military personnel did not challenge him. He broke into three padlocked t tanks, succeeding in starting the third and rumbled over a chain-link fence, police said. Then he wrecked about 22 minutes and six miles of havoc he rammed at least 40 vehicles, slightly injured a mother and child by smashing into their van, attempted to hit pursuing police cars, and plowed into bridges, utility poles, fire hydrants, signal lights, a bus bench, and finally a concrete freeway divider where the tank became stuck in a cloud of dust. Four of the dozens of Covering police officers clambered onto the still-running tank and wrestled open a lock hatch with bolt cutters. One of the four officers was a tank crew veteran in the Marine Reserve who had been ordered to the scene because of his ex expertise. After Nelson refused commands to surrender and relinquish the controls, an officer fired one shot into the tank and wounded him fatally in the upper right shoulder. Hall said. Police say, said the shooting was justified because they had to stop the bizarre chase before the driver killed someone with the formidable armored vehicle, which police have no armament capable of engaging. The officers also did not know whether Nelson had a gun, police said. 
You've got a 53-ton vehicle driven by someone purposely hitting vehicles that are occupied, Paul said. That is a serious threat to public safety. I've already told you guys this stuff. So is there anything else in it that they don't know? Very interesting article right It though, is. For sure. It's just cool to, that you found the actual article yeah. of this guy. So yeah, that's all I'm going to read. But if you guys want to read the whole thing, there will be a link in the description below. Again, this is from the Los Angeles Times. And we'll be right back after these words from our sponsor. Anyway, we are back and it is now Mandemonium's turn. So take it away, friend. All right, so mine that I found, just the whole time I was reading it, I was like, whoa, really? And I don't know, maybe this is common knowledge, but it was not common knowledge to me. And I was very intrigued. This is a list of horror movies that were inspired by real-life events, which I know happens with horror movies, but these ones in particular, I really had no idea that they were based off of or inspired by true events, and I was just like, whoa, that's crazy, because it wasn't ones I've... Yeah, is this Buster? Uh, This is a Mental Floss article. Oh, I love Mental Floss. Which I will have the link as well. I love the If you guys would like to go read this, but yeah, I just thought it was very interesting. So the first one on the list is A Nightmare on Elm Street. And the premise of it, of course, if you've not seen it, spoiler alert, question mark. It's been out for over a decade. If you haven't seen it, it's your fault. Yes. So it's a supernatural killer stalks his prey while they dream during deep sleep. The real life inspiration... Wes Craven based A Nightmare on Elm Street on a series of newspaper articles from the LA Times, which is what you were just reading from. Holy crackers. Which is crazy. About a strange phenomenon where young age and refugees would mysteriously die in their sleep. It was reported that many would refuse to sleep, citing terrifying nightmares that they feared would lead to death. According to Craven, the paper never correlated the three articles he found never said, hey, we've had another story like this. The third one was the son of a physician, and he was about 21. He found out this is a phenomenon in Laos, Laos, I think, Laos, thank you. I I don't know why, my brain just stopped for a minute. It's like, I knew the pronunciation of a place. I've seen enough King of the Hill, I should know where the Supernusen phones are from. I'm disappointed in myself. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Everybody in his family said almost exactly these lines. You must sleep. He said, no, you don't understand. I've had nightmares before, and this is different. He was given sleeping pills and told to take them, and supposedly did. But he still stayed up. I forgot what the total days he stayed up were, but it was a phenomenal amount. Something like six or seven days. Finally, he was watching television with the family, fell asleep on the couch, and everybody said, thank God. They literally carried him upstairs to bed. He was completely exhausted. Everybody went to bed thinking it was all over. But in the middle of the night, they heard screams and crashing. They ran into the room, and by the time they got to him, he was dead. They had an autopsy performed, and there were no signs of heart attack. He had just died for unexplained reasons. They found in his closet a Mr. Coffee Maker full of hot coffee that he had used to keep awake, and they also found all of his sleeping pills that they had thought he was taking. He was hiding them in his mouth and spitting them back out. It struck me as such an incredibly dramatic story that I was intrigued by it for a year at least, before I finally thought I should write something about this kind of situation. Now, the second one, the real life inspiration it comes from, I know the story of, but I did not know that this movie was inspired by it, and that is Child's Play, the Chucky movies. A serial killer soul possesses a toy doll and wreaks havoc. But the real-life inspiration comes from 1909. Key West painter and author Robert Eugene Otto claimed that one of his family's servants placed a voodoo curse on his childhood toy, Robert the Doll, is what Child's Play is based off. Did not know that. Very interesting. So if you don't know about Robert the Doll, supposedly the doll would mysteriously move from room to room knock furniture over, and and conduct conversations with Otto. 
Robert the doll was left in the attic until Otto's death in 1974 when the new owners moved into his Florida home. The new family also claimed mysterious activities would happen in the house connected to the doll. Today, Robert the doll is on display at Key West Fort East Martello Museum. Sounds like the male version of Annabelle. Pretty much, yeah. Keep those dolls way apart from each other. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh god. Which I'm pretty sure Annabelle's in a museum too. Yeah. Uh, hopefully not the same museum as nope. Robert, but... <laughs> okay, so... Um, I'm not reading the whole full list because we'd be here a real long time. That's fine. But the next one that I myself was like, whoa, really? Was Psycho. Which the premise of Psycho, a secretary goes on the run after she steals $40,000 only to wind up in a motel where the innkeeper and his mother are more than they appear to be. So, the real life inspiration... Psycho's Norman Bates is loosely based on convicted murderer and grave robber Edward Gein? Gein. Ed Gein, who during the late 1950s killed women and unearthed corpses in Wisconsin. He also fashioned human skin into tiny keepsakes and knickknacks such as face masks, belts, and chair coverings. Psycho's novelist also based Bates on Gein, but changed the character from a grave robber and murderer into a serial killer who dressed like his mother. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Silence of the Lambs also based their serial killers Leatherface and Buffalo Bill, respectively, on Gein. Gein was the one that made nipple belts. Yeah! That guy. Yeah! <laughs> so, next is The Exorcist, which were, was about two Catholic priests performing an exorcism on a young girl who's possessed by the devil. And the real-life inspiration of The Exorcist was based on a 1949 article in the Washington Post headlined Priest Frees Mount Rainer Boy Reported Held in Devil's Grip. The article followed priests William S. Bodern and Edward Hughes, Raymond J. Bishop, and Walter H. Holloran participating in the rite of exorcism on a boy with the pseudonym Ronald Doe in Maryland. According to the priest, they allegedly experienced the voice speaking in tongues, the bed shaking and hovering, and objects flying around during the ordeal. The exorcism was one of three official Catholic Church-sanctioned exorcisms in the United States at the time. Maybe one day they'll discover the cause of what happened to that young man, but back then it was only curable by an exorcism. The director of the exorcist told Time Out, His family weren't even Catholics, they were Lutheran. They started with doctors, and then psychiatrists, and then psychologists, and then they went to their minister who couldn't help them, and so they wound up with the Catholic Church. The Washington Post article says that the boy was possessed and exercised. That's pretty out on a limb for a national newspaper to put on its front page, but you're not going to see that on the front page of an intelligent newspaper unless there's something there. So, yeah. The very last one I'm going to read, I think, is the most interesting, personally, because how is this based on something real and true? But it is, which is... Do you want to guess? I have no idea. There are so many... I'm a there film are, major. There are a lot of horror movies out there, too, but this is <laughs> The Blob. The Blob? Yeah. That's what I said when I read that, too. I was like, really? And if you don't know the blob, it's about a mysterious alien life form that terrorizes a small town and consumes everything in its path as it grows bigger and bigger. The real life inspiration, believe it or not, is based on a New York Times article from 1950 titled, A Saucer Floats to Earth and a Theory is Dished Up. The story followed four Philadelphia police officers who came into contact with a strange gooey material which is now believed to be star jelly, as they call it. A transparent, gelatinous substance. When one of the officers tried to move the goo, it started to dissolve and evaporate. So, of course, there was nothing to show the FBI when they arrived on the scene, except for a spot on the ground. Fun fact about the blob. I love fun facts. The movie. Um, they use... I think it was strawberry jam for a lot of it oh that's so, cool 
Yeah, I mean, it was... I don't know. I, I could be misquoting, but I'm pretty sure that... That's what it always made me think of as a kid. I was like, yeah, that's just strawberry jelly. It always made me want toast. Anytime I watch it. <laughs> Watching the blob. Mm, I could go for some toast right now. It's also toast and jelly. Okay, so my list was kind of short, but I'm going to make up for it in our Tales from the Neighborhood Watch segment. Tales from the Neighborhood Watch! Because I've got a true story to tell that was sent in by a friend, by a neighbor. I'm excited. And I guess since I've already brought that up, do you want me to just go on into it? Go on into it. Alright. So, the story I was told is a friend, his friend was telling him about the time she was hiking, I believe it was the Appalachian Trail, or one of the other really big trails, but I think it was the Appalachian Trail. She was through hiking it by herself, which a lot of women hike that trail by themselves, a lot of people hike it by themselves. Tilly. Yes. <laughs> Her. Tilly the kid. Yes. So she was hiking it by herself, and uh, she couldn't help but feel like, you know, something was watching her. But of course, every time she turned around, there's, you know, nothing there. She passed by the occasional hiker. She just had that kind of creeped out feeling, but she played it off as, oh, I'm alone hiking in the woods and there's not really any hikers directly near me right now. I'm probably just creeping myself out. So she does, you know, the whole hike takes several months to do, of course. <laughs> the whole time she has a camera with her, you know, to document everything. Mm -hmm. She finishes the trail, she gets back home, and she gets those pictures developed and notices throughout the pictures of her, um, journey? Uh, yeah, of her, of her trip, just, you know, the pictures she took. There is a picture of her several, every night, of her asleep. A picture of her face asleep, just interspersed throughout the camera roll. Oh, I just got chills. So, yeah, I did too when I was told this. So somebody was following her and was taking pictures of her sleeping with her camera most of this trip. Never did anything to her. Never stole anything. Nothing came of it. But somebody was watching her sleep and taking pictures of her. Yes. Hairs on the back of your neck are standing up because oh, they God. certainly were on mine when I was first told this story. Oh God, I don't like any of that. Really, truly chill chilling. Oh, why are you wagging your tail? This is horrible. <laughs> why do you look happy? <laughs> Bella's like, Mom, what's up? We let Bella back in. But God, no. Yeah, right? Actually, <laughs> why you should always have a buddy. Yeah, for sure. Like, if you want to hike by yourself, that's great. But maybe don't sleep in the woods by yourself at night. I mean, there's Bigfoot, there's spear figures, there's stairs, there's... There's all kinds of scary things out in the woods, y'all. If you've not learned anything from listening to our podcast, at least learn that the woods are a scary place. Stay out of the woods. It's our first episode. <laughs> yes. For good reason, too. Oh my god. So, do you have any stories to share this go-around, or not? So, I keep adopting 18-year-olds at school. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm almost 30, so I'm one of the older people there. And I also, I've had an extreme mommy complex since I was five, so I keep adopting, like, younger people. A couple of older people. Mostly just, like, the younger just people. Just take them under your wing. Nothing they're, wrong they're with that. They're mine. So, I've even started calling them kids. I'm like, hey, kids, have... <laughs> It's like, bye kids, I'll see you after class. And I, I have the sweetest children, but um, one of them, his name is Tim. He has the best hair. But he told me a story today, and I can't remember it. And all I remember is that I was just like, holy shit, can I use this on my podcast? And he was like, yeah, sure. Ah, I should have recorded it then. You know what, Tuesday I'm gonna... Yep, when you, yeah. yeah. Ask him again. I will. I'll be like, can you tell me that story again and, like, speak into the phone? <laughs> Please just speak directly into it. Hi. Yeah. 
Oh, which, by the way, if you guys have a Tell from the Neighborhood Watch and you would like to, you know, record your voice telling the story, narrating it, you can do that and send it in. Yeah. Um, the, it doesn't have to be through text. It doesn't have to be through text or email or verbally to us. Um, the Anchor, which is the platform that we use, they have it where you can go on there and there should be a, uh, a button that says voice message. And you can tell us your story that way, and then I could just take your voice telling your story and pop it into the episode. Yeah, which would be super cool. It would be. I think we're actually going to have, like, our own little thing for the Tales for the Neighborhood Watch. Yeah. We're going to have to create something for that for you guys. But, like I said, we are not going to be shaking the hat this week. So, if you have your own stories to tell or ideas for the hat, go ahead and hit us up at nightmaretown18 at gmail.com on Twitter on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Anchor, on all the places. Just everywhere. Uh, remember to go and like, rate, and review the podcast, especially on iTunes, because that makes us more available to people that are searching. Yes, it makes us more visible, please. If you go and do that, go ahead and email us or send us a personal message at any of the things that I just mentioned and give us an address that you feel comfortable giving us that you have access to and we'll send you some of our badass stickers. Yes. That handed those things out like candy. Yes. <laughs> and the people that already have stickers, if you will go and take a picture of whatever it is that you have put those stickers on, tag us on any of the social medias, um, we are going to be starting looking into actually getting merch. So, put those on there, tag us in it, you'll go into a different hat, because I have several that are very cool. We have many types of cool hats around here. And we'll say, once we actually order merch, we'll pick somebody out of there, maybe once a week, or once an episode. We don't know the logistics yet, I'm literally making this up on the spot. But we'll figure it out. And we'll send you some, some flipping merch. Yep. We'll do some giveaways. It'd be awesome sauce. It'll be fun. And then we can see you guys and we would know who you are because that's just all we want to know. Yeah. Who are you? I love you. Won't you be our neighbor? Aww. But anyway, until next time, tell us a story. Bye.